All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Beebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 6, Episode 12 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. I am your host, Brock Segan, with me as always, and both of them on higher speed internets for the first time ever. We've got Dylan D. Berthium, Michael Beebs Bondi. Beebs, you won the speed test here yeah. uh, before we came on, so... Ooh. We'll go to you first. How you doing, Beebs? Fastest internet you've ever had. Uh, feeling good today? I haven't won a speed test on my internet since legitimately Nom. Um, I'm feeling like oh, Usain Bolt right now of internet. This is wild. I was telling the boys before. I was rolling off. I, I don't know the terms, but it was like like four MGs per whatever. Four, you were four megabytes down a second, which is Yeah, absurd. per it's second, like, which I'm like not public, like. That's like public downtown Wi-Fi level of, uh, of download. <laughs> I'm now at 200 plus. So uh, basically, uh, yeah, you could have went good. Saw, running. You could have went and saw a game at Little Arena and gotten better Wi-Fi than what you. Were I probably should have started doing the podcast there. Um, that was actually yeah. I was gonna head over to where the Spits play. Worst case, if, uh, <laughs> if if I if we kept doing this remote and do it there because I imagine yeah, or the nearest Tim Hortons. But yeah, we are flying. Um, can you know finally stream things? Life's. I good. would like to point out. Yeah, I would like to point out too that Beebs didn't actually win the speed test, but his internet did improve over 100 times in download speed, whereas mine was about five or six. So, uh, <laughs> still huge, still a huge yeah, upgrade. The yeah. most improved internet for sure. Basically, I, uh, if the video comes out today, it's going to be clear as hell because we're looking, well, we're not looking good, but the video is looking, looking super good. clear. <laughs> 
it'll be probably 20 years before I get the internet that you just got where I live. So I'm going to be rocking. I think I rock like 15 megaseconds. So I'm, uh, <laughs> the fact that I work from home on this internet is honestly astonishing, but, um, but you're the only one in like a bajillion square feet using that internet. So at least, yeah, it's true. I don't think anybody out here even has internet. It's yeah. just me. Um, <laughs> all right. So <laughs> we're going to kick off today's show, uh, with Dylan D favorite topic, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, just Never because they, They've been uh, just absolutely electric and, and trending uh, the last couple days, last week or so. Um, and then after we we talk about the Leafs there for a minute, we are going to get to just a, a couple of waiver wire guys. We basically have been covering the wire for three episodes in a row, so we're going to try to avoid that. But we do just want to go over some of the guys that we've talked about and, and reiterate that, you know, uh, we weren't wrong about these guys and they're still worth a pickup and, and, and that their own percentages really don't reflect, uh, you know, where they should be right now. So we're just going to kind of just go back and talk about a couple of them. Uh, and then also just mention maybe a couple other names that have, have propped up that, that are definitely worth a pickup and that their own percentages are, are much too low. Uh, and then we're going to get to a, a buy low, sell high uh, segment of the show because we're getting to that point in, in the fantasy hockey season where, you know, you, you basically already <laughs> have to start kind of setting yourself up uh, for the playoff push because the season's going to be over before you know it. So uh, a couple guys that, you know, base, we got a list of, of players that uh, are, are without a doubt by low uh, candidates right now. Uh, so we're going to talk about them, just kind of go back and forth on, on who we prefer uh, to buy low on at this point in time. And then also same thing for sell high. So uh, D, we'll start with you here, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Austin Matthews has been just... Uh, insanely hot to start the season. Uh, the Matthews for, for Hart Trophy has been going, uh, making its rounds on Twitter uh, for the last couple weeks now. He's got 16 goals in 17 games, obviously takes advantage of the Senators, unlike any other human being on earth. But uh, 16 and 17 is ridiculous. Uh, I know a couple, a couple weeks ago we were talking like, man, the fact that we're even here talking about Connor McDavid potentially reaching 100 points is nuts. Now we're sitting here talking about will Matthews score 50 goals. So D, you know, you are a resident Leafs fan, but you seem to be a little bit more level-headed than most. How do you feel about Matthews' potential to reach 50 goals in a 56-game season? I also heard you had a quote from last night you wanted to mention. Well, I was just going to, I don't, I wouldn't say it's likely. Like some pundits on, on TV were, were going at last night. Like it's almost, you know, like you should take even money on Matthews in. 50 goals in a, in a 56-game season. Uh it's obviously not ridiculously far-fetched that this guy could get close to a goal of game pace, which is pretty ridiculous, right? He's shooting the puck over four times a game right now. Uh, and yeah, he's got 16 and 17 while shooting 22.5%. Obviously really high, uh, but he has averaged 16.1% shooting percentage for his career. So, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take more than a couple minutes of watching Austin Matthews play hockey to know he's got one of the best shots in the world. So uh, certainly a guy that can continue to score at an above-average clip. Uh, even even with the kind of volume and, and uh, that, that he's shooting the puck at. So uh, it's possible, yes, but obviously, like I said, he needs to maintain a level 6 or 7% higher than what we've seen from him in his career average uh, and probably a level that we've never really seen sustained over a full season uh, in recent memory. Steven Stamkos, obviously, 60 goal season comes to mind when you're talking about, you know, just ridiculous, uh, ridiculous goal scoring outputs. Uh, that require a shooting percentage above 20%. Uh, but of course, this isn't a full season. So if he stays hot for uh, another month or two, um, then certainly there's uh, there's the chance that he can make it happen. But uh, yeah, to say that it's likely, I, I think is obviously a, a pretty big stretch. 
Uh, I think 40 goals would be a pretty phenomenal uh, accomplishment in this uh, shortened season, and he, he's certainly on pace to do that right now. Um, so I'd be pretty impressed if he gets that mark. If he gets anywhere near 50, um, I, I think it would just be kind of that sign of him uh, taking that next step and really just pushing himself onto the next level and, and putting his name in the category of the best players on earth. Yeah, so to put it in perspective a little bit, um, obviously, you know, he's already got 16 and 17. Uh, you mentioned his shot volume. If he maintains the current shot volume throughout the remaining 39 games of, of the season um, and just kind of falls back from the 22% he shot in the first 17 games just to his career average of 16.1, uh, he'll hit 42 goals over 56 games. So, like, it's really, you know, he basically just has to maintain what what he's he started doing with his shot volume now and, and, and just kind of fall back to a 16% shooter like he always has been, and he's going to score over 40. So, like, fall at this point... Fall back to a 16% shooter is hilarious. Exactly. It just, yeah. it's, it's wild to even say. But, uh, like, at this point, it seems like 40, uh, you know, is something that you might consider taking even money on at this point. But 50 obviously seems like a, a little bit of a stretch, but really we're only talking about... Uh, finding eight more goals at this point. Um, it's just got to play Ottawa a few more times. I mean, if they go on another three-game stretch like they did this week, what a perfect like point stretch. No one else is really playing on those nights. You're playing Ottawa. That's true. Yeah, yeah it's uh, great. It was fun to watch though. Like I mentioned I yesterday on Twitter, like at this at this point, like uh, Austin Matthews is going to be like eleven thousand dollars on DraftKings soon because like he, he's the most expensive player by a mile on the slate. Everybody mm-hmm. still plays him, and then he goes out last night and has a four point night. Uh, so you know we're talking about he needs to find eight more goals. He does have four more games against the Senators this season. So I mean, <laughs> oh, you basically that's, you can basically lot. that's two games. Yeah, that's two lot. games for Austin Matthews yeah. against the Sens. Yeah, he had so five basically, in the last three this week so there we go lock it in 50 but all right so it, it, there. in adi- in addition to to austin matthews obviously yeah. uh just being incredible so far this year uh joe thornton has uh he, he he returned to the lineup a couple games ago and, and he's just you know he had a decent start to the season all things considered uh but the last couple games just ridiculous uh he had i what did he have I didn't get a chance to watch the whole game, but did he have two goals waved off in the same game and then um, <laughs> and then had a three-point night to follow that up? Yeah, so he picked up an apple in the in the game on, what was that, Wednesday against Ottawa? Yeah, yeah Wednesday. Uh, and had two goals waved off. Rightly so, he pitchforked the, the 10 to the end of the net on the first one. <laughs> but it's jumbo. Uh, and then, yeah, a tip just a little bit high. Uh, it was a little bit disappointing because there was really no need to, to pitchfork the 10 in the situation. The puck was loose pretty much just on the line. But it's okay. He, uh, <laughs> he, uh, let, yeah, he's still able to pick up an assist in that game. And then, yeah, turned it around with a, a three-point night last night, like you said, Brock. So, red hot. Yeah, so Joe Thornton now eight points, three goals, five assists in his first eight games in, in a Maple Leafs uniform. Uh, he is shooting 30%, so that's probably relatively unsustainable. Uh, 15% on a shooting percentage. But, I, you know, obviously obviously those those rates are unsustainable. But I do think Thornton is worth a speculative ad right now because I, I think the most intriguing thing about jumbo joe is like the dude is ancient at this point right he's 41 years old but on when uh, uh, two nights ago he played 18 minutes and 15 seconds the i think third highest among all maple Leafs fours behind only matthews and marner uh and then followed that up with a 15 minute night and a three-point game must have been fucking killing him yeah, yeah so and like well, it, he would have he would have played more last night too but the game was pretty much over but exactly that's what i was just going to be for the least half yeah yeah, true, eh? But uh, so so I think that's the one most intriguing thing because 
coming into the season, right, we, we, we saw that Matthews, uh, or sorry, Thornton was on a line with Matthews and Marner. And there was kind of this conversation that he was going to play there, but it wasn't going to be like he's going to take every single shift with Matthews and Marner, right? He's going to get some shifts off and they're going to put somebody like maybe Nylander or Mikhaev up there, or Hyman up there to kind of fill in those other shifts because Joe's 41 and he's not going to be able to, to do that and play 18 minutes tonight. Obviously, I don't think it's something that's going to be, you know, sustainable over the I'm long run. Too, yeah. But on back-to-back nights, really, you know, three games in a row, and this is three games in four nights. He played 16-41, 18-15, and 15-21. So I think that 15-minute is basically his floor at this point. He's on the top power play unit. So at this point in time, like, he, you got to add him. I mean, it's just oh, the yeah. fact that he's only 39% is pretty wild to me. Center um, and left wing as well, which is, uh, which is, I mean, nice because he hasn't always had that in previous years, so. Yeah, yeah and, and, and like obviously you just got at this point like just tick your cap to him. I mean, forty-one years old, one of the legends of the game. Absolutely yeah, love to fun just... to watch. Like, what's more fun than watching a forty-one-year-old massive dude just put up points on your fantasy team? When the uh, do it for the ride. when do you guys think his last point per game season was? If uh, if you haven't looked and you don't know, twenty fifteen. Yeah, fifteen sixteen. That's right. So he's only five years removed from his that? last point per game season, which is probably you know not as not as long or he's not as far removed as I as I thought. Obviously, he's forty one yeah. now. He did that at the age of thirty six. Uh, last year was really disappointing for him. Thirty one points in seventy games. Obviously, people were starting to write him off. But just two years ago, he managed sixteen goals and thirty five assists, uh, mm-hmm. fifty one points in seventy three games for the Sharks. What uh, was a much better team at the time while he played just 15 minutes a night uh so certainly possible that thornton can obviously uh maintain something around that sort of return uh you know like a 50 point 55 point return over a full season so uh yeah not that far removed from uh being a actually quite productive uh top six player still uh which is pretty wild to say about a 41 year old so yeah that, maybe we shouldn't be as surprised uh as we have been by this kind of renaissance by by thornton well, especially with the drivers around him i mean he's playing with two of the best in the game and exactly you don't really have to contribute not 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 to say that much we don't have to contribute that much yeah, to the, the other it's a significant upgrade over Michael carlson and, and kevin lebonk for sure yeah it, it was it was pretty wild i i I don't remember like at what point in the game it was, but one of the broadcasters, I think it was last night was saying like there was a shift where the Leafs controlled the puck in the the offensive zone for, for like a very extended period of time. And it was basically just Thornton just standing there (laughs) right or hovering around the net and Matthews and Marner were just skating around in circles. And they were just like, like, Thornton's loving this. Two minute shift here. Like how is he still on the ice? And he just hasn't moved at all. Yeah. it, It was hilarious. But um, so yeah, obviously Joe Thornton is somebody that that is worth a speculative ad at this point in time. Um, you know, D, I think that is a really good point. It's like you know, it's it's always what have you done for me lately? And uh, you know, not somebody that's really uh, ripped it up last year, but he is only a couple years removed from some very productive seasons. And, and he was he was fantasy you know on fantasy rosters just two years ago, realistically. And we, um, we, we saw, you know, uh, a little someone named Yager put up a point per game not too long ago around this age. I think it's totally possible. You just adjust your game, and it seems like Jumbo really has done that to his line. So uh, in addition to to Jumbo, Joe Thornton, uh, a couple guys that we've talked about a lot recently um, that, that we just got to revisit because their own percentages just, just aren't moving uh, as much as we would expect them to. It, first of all, Nick Schmaltz, 33% owned. Uh, his line mate, Clayton Keller, 37% owned. They continue to be one of the best lines in hockey. I uh, had another really productive night last night, yeah. uh, and there's just really no... 
Uh, there's no reason for them not to be to be much higher owned. They should at least be above 50% at this point uh, because, you know, they're getting it done night in and night out. Uh, conversely, uh, same same boat here. We've got Carter Verhage, 33% owned still, uh, and Anthony Duclair, just 14% owned. Guys that we've been talking about playing on, on literally two of the best lines in the entire NHL right now. Um, you know, I, I know I mentioned that the, the Matthews, uh, for heart train ha- has been going, you know, wild on Twitter. I actually pointed out the other day that I, I think through the first quarter of the season or whatever, you, you know, one person that definitely deserves a look is, is Alexander Barkov because that line has just been one of the best in hockey. And uh, he's really doing it with two guys that they just picked up like for, I don't know, a combined like $1.5 million in the off season. So, <laughs> uh, you know, he, it just goes to show how good he is and, uh, how good he's been and Verhage and Duclair are also, uh, you know, definitely need to be considered. But uh, yeah. Ebs, I know you had one other guy that you really wanted uh, to talk about. And, and you know, he, if, if anybody who listens to the DFO podcast also listens to my DFO DFS show, uh, I talk about him every single day. So uh, all aboard the, the hype train here. Yeah. First though, I gotta, I gotta step back to my boy, Nick Schmall to just really want to uh, toss him a shout out. 14 points in his last 15 games over there in Zona. Still 33% owned, as you mentioned. Uh, 40 shots on net this year, getting 17 minutes of, of ice. Get that up there. But again, you know, all four of those guys that you mentioned, put them up there. But the guy we're talking about today, I'm going to totally mispronounce his name, and I'm going to do it for fun. Uh, but it's Jesse Puyarvi, or Puyarvi, um, who is 25% owned in Yahoo Leagues with four goals, three assists, and 43 shots on net so far this year. Um you know, Jesse P seems like he's finally here to stay at the age of 22. It took quite a bit, but, um, you know, four goals and an apple in his last six games um, contribute to most of his points, including 16 shots. And uh, Brock, I'm not quite sure, but is that when they finally put him up there, back up there with McDavid when he came back from uh, his little COVID spell there? Well, he was he was on that line uh, a little mm-hmm. bit before that, but uh, yeah, he this you know is when he's it's, really it's, started to click. Yeah, yeah, it's been basically since the start of February mm-hmm. um, where he moved to that line, in which he's got four goals uh, on 16 shots and one assist, five points in six games, basically with McDavid. Uh, the one of the really interesting thing about him, uh, obviously, it's starting to, to come around a little bit, but he's among the uh, you know top 30 in the NHL right now in terms of. Uh, the biggest differential between his his uh, actual goals for uh, and, and expected goals for. So mm-hmm. he he looks like a guy that you know is still just kind of scratching the surface. And yeah, um, that McDavid Nugent Hopkins Dreis, uh McDavid Nugent Hopkins Puljujarvi line has been one of obviously the most dominant lines in hockey uh, since Puljujarvi's been up there. So like, there's really no reason for him to be a- as low owned. Um, like I realistically, like the fact that he is, what did you say? 25%. He's 14% lower owned than Joe Thornton to me is, is a little bit crazy. Oh, crazy. Cause I mean, it's, it is it, still it's PP one and still line one. Um, yeah. I actually, I actually took his last six games with McDavid just be, or his last six games that he's been on this tear and kind of put it in a little, little blender. But if you put him across an 82 game season, Brock, he has 220 shots and 41 mm-hmm. goals. Um, so, you know, that's something that, that we're, we're talking about for someone who's uh, we're clearly only seeing his floor. Um, the ceiling is exciting of what's, what could be here on a line like that and uh, keep getting set 17 minutes on a night and be on PP one where he hasn't even gotten any PP points yet. Yeah, so um, so the one thing about him on power play one is it hasn't really been a, a concrete spot. It, yeah. It's been a spot where basically like Shayson or, or James Neal can be there, but they have shown have any they, they have shown a little bit more willingness to put uh, Puliyarvi in that spot in recent games. Um, you know, going back to what you just said about his shot volume, it, is that 
Uh, remember like when we were doing our preseason episodes talking about what could Pooley Arvey do if he plays with McDavid. And I mentioned that he had fucking 385 shots in Finland and led the league by like 120 shots. He's not a guy who's shy about shooting the puck. And, and honestly, he, you know, I've watched a lot of, of Edmonton games this season for, for obvious reasons. And, and he stands out, he looks good. Uh, and he belongs in that top six. And I think like, you know, a lot of these other little experiments that they've had going on yeah. haven't really worked out. Why so. wouldn't they put him there too? Like, yeah, like I, I don't think he's him. going. He's not this going was, anywhere. This was he's the plan all along. It's just it's taken a little bit longer to click, and I think that's why people are kind of, uh, kind of a little, you know, keeping him at twenty five percent. But this is someone who I think should be around sixty percent owned at this hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. If, uh, uh, sorry, a hundred percent. He should be around. 60%, I was like, holy not 100%. shit! Every but, team should own yeah. Jesse. Like it's it's gonna get to that point though. Honestly, like you know, you look at the other night against Winnipeg. Like McDavid springs him, he walks in and just snipes. Like he's like he's like that talented of goal scorer. And Um, what we've seen with McDavid too, and and with Matthews and all these teams in this division is the goals are gonna come. It's not. I I mean, you were you you and D have been saying it since day one. They're gonna be there, and they've been there and then some. So if he's only has this type of production um, so far, I I I like the way this (laughs) it's going as far as points go. Um, I hate if you have a goalie in this division, but um, you know. As far well, as hey, points and players go, you're great. The way the way I look at it is is my fantasy uh, strength of schedule at the start of the season has absolutely been dead nuts so far this season. Oh, so we, you know, we we said it's probably it's not the year to own Connor Hellebuck, and, and it really, uh, I mean, he's actually been fairly solid. But all things considered, for all those Northern Division goalies, it's really not been that. Other uh, than Mike Smith, <laughs> that fun, yeah, Mike Smith, the resurgence. Uh, one other guy in, in deep leagues, uh, specifically keeper leagues, to mention just uh, Evan Bouchard at seven percent own. Uh, he, he's just been an absolute uh, shot volume machine uh, through his first like eight games or whatever it's been um, in in of the of the season yeah. here. Uh, one goal, three assists in his first seven games. He's also a guy that that posted outstanding numbers uh, for the London Knights. Was the tenth overall pick. Uh, just a Guys, really good, really heavy, really heavy shot. Obviously, he's a little bit buried uh, behind like Tyson Berry and Darnell Nurse, so he's never going to see uh, that those ma- that massive usage. But uh, they have not been afraid to use him. He's kind of made his way into the lineup, and obviously, he's going to stick. So in, in keeper leagues, dynasty leagues, uh, he's only seventy seven percent owned at this point. So definitely High draft pick too. So they kind of want to you know see oh, what they got sure. there. Yeah. But uh, all right, let's get to this buy low, sell high segment uh, of today's show. What, what? Um, we're just cutting out D's. D doesn't get to drop his waiver. Oh, D, I I didn't even know you had any. You didn't get, write anything. Sorry, oh, D. Let's see your waiver. Just show up and. Yeah. I, how does <laughs> no you didn't say that, you didn't say anything? So I didn't know. I did. All right. You just don't check our messages. Ooh. Oh, I'm sorry. Here's the DFO beef that people don't see on the mic. Right? I don't think it's just. I don't think he even <laughs> said it. Diva, anything. everybody knows it. He did. Do you want me to tell you who it is before? No, I don't uh, want to say. It. I don't want to earn it. P.S. No, so honestly... Who is it, D? P.S. Who is it? It's uh, it's Pius Suter. Wait, didn't you tell me it's not pronounced Pius last last week? I just go with it. Uh, are you just re- are you are you re-upping him because you said you'd rather have him than like Evgeny Dadanov <laughs> and Dadanov's just a stud? Or I just think there's been some strides there since last week, so he was worth talking about. I do want to say, you know, there's been eleven popes with the name Pius, and they all go by Pius, so he's going to be Pius to me. Uh, <laughs> my suitor, uh, yeah, sixteen shots in his last five games. So when we talked about him last, the shot volume was the one major concern. So. Um, playing uh, obviously getting some more minutes on the top line that's really encouraging to see um, like I said over three shots a game in his last five outings he's now up to 41 and 18 games this season so more encouraging on that front for sure uh, which is why I thought he uh, he uh, was worthy of another mention here um, main selling point obviously like I said the fact that he's centering that top line with Alex Debrinkat 
and Patrick Kane. Doesn't get any better than that in Chicago. He's got six goals and four assists in 18 games this year. Obviously, you guys can imagine the production has improved lately with the promotion to the top line. Six points in his last nine. Ice time just continues to grow as well. Uh, in Chicago's last four games, Suter over 18 minutes a night. So, um, like I said, ice time on the rise. Seen some power play time too. Still confined to the second unit as of now. Uh, obviously, it's not hard to imagine him sneaking on the top power play unit um, if he continues to play as well as he has at 5v5, which would obviously just add that much more upside to his production. Uh, him and Kane at 52.36% uh, possession-wise at 5v5 this season. They're also averaging over 29 scoring chances for 60. Um, so, yeah, just a lot of good underlying signs here for Suter. No red flags in terms of his on-ice or personal shooting percentage really at this point. Uh, ownership on the rise, but he's still available in 82% of Yahoo leagues, and he's got triple position eligibility. So, um, definitely a guy I think that was uh, worth mentioning again, and uh, and being oh, yeah. brought up in more of a go out and get him sort of fashion. Yeah, and the one thing too is when we did this show last week, that line as a whole has really made some strides. Um, you know, from overall, the, their underlying numbers uh, weren't that strong last week uh but you know over the last few games they've really built on that obviously a, a couple games against the red wings will do that uh for you but <laughs> yeah and they had uh, to bring as, that you know, too, up on that top line with them well yeah obviously. and he's been there for a few games he's having a beast um, but, here yeah. but but even like with the brink out in the small sample size the numbers weren't great, but now uh, they're up over 30 scoring chances, four per 60 at 5v5, uh, really showcasing themselves as a pretty good top line uh, for the for the Blackhawks. And, and I think the one most in, important part about this for Suter is that this is kind of the first time all season where he's had an extended stay on that top line. We saw them just working different centers in there to start the season. And now it seems like he's kind of locked down that role and it's not going to be like, Hey, let's move fucking Carl Soderberg up there for one game anymore. <laughs> it, it, it seems to be Pius Suter's job uh, at this point, which is, it, it bodes well. And that line's really starting to get things going at five V five. And uh, so he, he looks absolutely terrific without question. Uh, but all right, now let's get to the buy low sell high uh, portion of the show. Sorry, D I, I totally missed that. I, uh, you must've sent it while. I was, doing, I was doing the YouTube show. I apologize. Yeah, um, no, no problem, man. I'm just going to resent it forever, but it's good. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, all right. Uh, so somebody you remembered me. We're gonna start. Uh, we're gonna start with Alex Lafreniere, somebody that we've talked about quite a, uh, a bit in recent weeks. Um, so mostly, this is just from. Uh, I just want to touch on him really quickly, and even if you guys don't say anything, that's completely fine. I'll touch on him, um, but I, I'm just saying. I think from a from a keeper league dynasty perspective, uh, I, like it's never gonna get like worse. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> it really isn't. So it, like this impossible. is this, this is the time you're, you can basically uh, get him at a probably you know affordable price. I think at the start of the season, you know his price, his trade value would have been uh, still pretty high because obviously he was the first overall pick. People probably invested, you know, a decent amount of draft stock in him uh, in Keeper Dynasty Leagues, but it's really been a slow start. And, and, you know, obviously you would imagine that most owners wouldn't be um, very impatient with a, with a first overall pick with his talent. But uh, I, I just think that it is, you know, like you said, Beavs, it really can't have, it couldn't have been much of a worse start from a numbers perspective for him. So I think that, you know, in keeper in dynasty leagues, this is a guy that, you know, it's worth throwing some flyers out there for him right now, because uh, I, I, you know, there, there is brighter days ahead without question. 
Oh yeah. Um, I agree in keeper leagues, but if you're, if you're in a, a regular standard league, I'm not buying low on this guy. Um, not right now, not with the, the 12 minutes a night that he's seeing some nights it's scary. And it's, it just reminds me a lot of what we saw from, uh, from Capo Caco last year, which just wasn't much production and, uh, you know, limited, very limited minutes. So, um, you know, Lafreniere in it, I mean, personally in the keeper league right now, I'm chucking mad trades at the guy who has Lafreniere, but, um, but, you know, not going near him. Like I said, in a, in a standard redraft, it's kind of sad because we were hoping for some big things. He's no Tim Stutzel. Yeah, no, yeah, Timmy's Timmy's looks really good. I mean, I I think Lafreniere's looks good. It's just the production yeah. just hasn't the been there. Shots I, aren't there. The yeah, it's just the the, the usage isn't there at all. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, they. I, it's funny because on last week's show, I said I'd probably give him one more week. Uh, and, and that's kind of where I'm at because I said I want. I'm, I'm interested to see what him. Um. Strom and Kako do, and they actually played extremely well together. Uh, their underlying numbers were terrific. They had two really good games, and Panarin came back, and they just bumped him back down. Um, so, and that's kind of unfortunate. It could be something maybe they revisit in the future, but as of now, like there's just not a whole lot going for him. He's playing with like fucking Kevin Sweet. Rooney or Brett Howden. Like, yeah, it's not going to do much for me. Yeah, you, you weren't you weren't very high on this. You were ready to drop him last week. You're still kind of in the same boat. But would you target yeah, him think... in a in a keeper league? <laughs> no, at this point, I, he wants to add him. <laughs> well, in keeper leagues, I, I would be really wary of the of the capital that that I'd move for him at this point. But certainly, like you guys say, I think his value at this point is is definitely below um the the reality but um yeah it's just really strange i wonder if if a normal year if he if he would have hung around with the rangers um i think it's particularly kind of confusing um when you consider their decision to not let him go to the world juniors because they want him ready for for the rangers this season and then you hold him down in a bottom six role where he's playing 13 14 minutes a night certainly looks like he could have benefited from uh, playing, in, you know, a more advanced or, or leading role in the team where he's obviously getting the heavy minutes and, and playing in high intensity situations, running a power play, all, all those sort of things. So, um, yeah, there's no option, obviously, to put him back to junior. Um, I think they'd have to get an exemption to put him in the AHL, or I'm not sure if they'd just be able to send him down. Um, obviously, there's... He has to go down. there's yeah. I think he could go down, right? So I, yeah, he I, has to. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if that's the down. route that they take at this point, because I, I, I don't see how it's good for him development uh for his development to be playing 13 14 minutes a night uh in bottom six situations so the whole situation doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me i think they kind of mishandled it um certainly like like i said when they made the decision to not let him go to the world juniors i was expecting him to play a much more prominent role in the rangers team this season you don't make that decision to hold back a guy who's going to be playing in your bottom six um or at least that's what i thought but that's exactly what they've done so (laughs) Uh, yeah, I don't like how they've handled it. I, I think it's completely torpedoed his value in redraft leagues this season. Um, and I don't think anything what they're doing at this point is helping with his long-term development. I can only look at what they did with Kako last season is something very similar with him, um, where he's really kind of been limited in, into a more uh, lesser role, um, not really getting the minutes that you want someone at that age to be getting. Um, and it's really starting to hamper their production and their development and their growth. So it's concerning for sure. Um, I, I would be weary, like I said, of how much I'd be willing to move for him in a keeper or a redraft league at this point. Um, just because, yeah, I, I, it's hard to imagine things getting a, a lot better in New York anytime soon. Yeah, uh, just to kind of further on that point, um, I, you know, I've been playing them a ton in drafting, so I have been watching uh, quite a few Rangers games. Uh, I think if you're in, um, if you're in like a keeper or or uh, dynasty league, and he is available, which I would be surprised if he is in in most, uh, but I, I do think you know Capo Caco would be the one of these two to own really right now. Uh, he's looked really good. Um, 
recently. He's still playing with Panarin. I think that there is a little bit of a Capo Caco breakout on the horizon here. Um, so like if you're in these super deep leagues where he's still available, he is somebody that I, I personally have a lot of interest in right now because uh, the usage has been there and he's just, you know, he's looked really good. The underlying numbers are, are, are really solid as well. Uh, so Capo uh, Caco, uh, in addition to, to Lafreniere, um, you know, I think he's got the chance to actually do something here. But uh, Kevin Fiala is a guy that we talk about a lot on this show. Bit of a yep. slow start. Had a two-game suspension. Uh, does have three Does have three goals in his last five games, but still only four goals, no assists in his first 10 games of the season. Uh, but he's definitely, like I mentioned earlier, so a lot of these guys uh, I- I'm looking at. So he is the third lowest in the entire NHL, uh, or highest, whatever you want, way you want to look at it, in terms of his actual goals for per 60 in relation to his expected goals for. Uh, so a guy that's just really been snake bitten, um, you know, on ice, you know, that's another reason why he has no assists so far this season. Yeah. Also, uh, the on ice shooting percentage is just 5.7. So somebody that definitely looks like he's about to turn a corner. And the most intriguing thing to me is uh, last game, uh, which was last night, they finally kind of, you know, put, put, a, put a lineup together that made a little bit of fucking sense for once. Uh, and it was Matt Zuccarella, Joel Erickson Eck, and Kevin Fial on the top line. Uh, and they had a pretty solid game. So hopefully that's something that sticks around. We've been asking for the Joel Erickson Eck top line role for a while now. So if, if it's them two together on the top line with Fiala, they've posted numbers together before. And I think that'll go a long way uh, for Fiala here. But uh, D yeah. or Beeb, sorry, you said you got a lot of stock in him. I, I, well, I got him in honestly every league that I have, which includes two keeper leagues. Um, but but for me, what uh, what really stands out is is you know he he missed those three games due to suspension, then five postponed games. It's going to take a bit to get the legs going again. That's almost two weeks worth of hockey, maybe even three. Um, so four goals in ten games, not terrible. That's thirty two goals across a full game or across a full season, and that's just while catching no luck whatsoever. Um, you know he shoots the hell of a biscuit gets five almost six shots a night so it's someone this is gonna this is gonna turn real quick and when it does i'm gonna be sitting back i think a lot of us at dfo here are gonna be sitting back just you know really enjoying what he's doing and like you said great to see him last night playing with erickson x and uh got himself a nice gino across 19 minutes of ice there, time there too yeah i think this is another time where it's important to mention that the xg brought talking about is the team's expected goals for uh, when Fiala is on the ice at 5v5, because if you look at his personal goal scoring, I think it's right on track with what we would expect. Um, you know, shot volume, 36 yeah. shots uh, across 10 games. You'd love to see it. And he's shooting at 11.1%. Uh, he got four goals in those 10 games. Career shooting percentage of 10.7. So as far as the goal goes, I think, you know, four every 10, just below a goal every uh, every other game. I think that's a pretty realistic and true pace for Fiala. Um, and then, yeah, obviously well, what we're talking about expecting improvement here is, uh, is those assist totals. I would, you know, I wouldn't expect them to get a ton of assists, but certainly a guy, um, whose assist totals can be a goal scoring. So, uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of underlying value to be had here for sure. Still yeah, just like 24 give- too, which is crazy. Cause he's been in the league for seven. Yeah. Almost it feels seven like he's years been in there. Yeah. He's that. Get- Given his current shot volume and and shooting percentage, I mean, just extrapolating those numbers, uh, it's safe to assume he'll he'll score about 17 more goals this season, pushing him up over, uh, you know, 20 20 goals on the season, which is pretty solid, all things uh, considered, on on a shortened season. But, yeah, that I mean, 31 assists last year, obviously that pace seems kind of, uh, you know, out of reach at this point. But, uh, yeah, I guess you bring up a good point. Like I, that's what I was saying is like that, that 5% on ice shooting percentage has to improve eventually because uh, the expected goals for, for them has been really solid. And I'd expect that to only improve uh, if he gets a decent run here with Joel Erickson. Um, All right. These next four guys all play for the same team. So let's kind of lump them together and 
and we'll and we'll kind of discuss which guys we have the most hope for and which guys we're kind of a little bit worried about here in this group, if any. Uh, so this is the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, you know, a half decent start to the season mm-hmm. overall, but since they've come back from from their little COVID nineteen hiatus, they've been absolutely dreadful offensively. Uh, so Rasmus Dahlin, Jack Eichel, Victor Olafson, and Taylor Hall all struggling uh, to this point in the season. D, I'll start with you. Let's start with the forwards, obviously, because it's hard to lump Dahlin in the same mix. But like, if you're a Taylor Hall owner specifically, how worried are you? Uh, pretty concerned. I, I would say all of a sudden, I don't think you can say he's having a bad season. I understand that it could be much better in terms of, uh, but flows XG and their actual, uh, goals produ- are produced when he's on the ice. But yeah, Olsen does have six and six and 13 games. Um, so at least from a perspective, he's been solid. Uh, all of these guys are just having trouble putting puck in the net. Uh, you know, Hall, I, I, I like his shot volume right now. I think it's pretty solid with what uh, you want or, or what you can hope to get from Hall in his career. He's not going to be um a goal first you know he's not going to light up the league and put up 40 goals if he is he's probably going to win mvp because he had 60 assists to go along with it right um so yeah he's, uh, he's always going to be a pass first guy i think we were really hoping that it would unlock uh you know jack eichel's true goal scoring potential which has obviously been the main letdown for the, the sabers from a fantasy perspective uh so far this season but uh, you know as a whole as a line they're still clicking pretty well they're all just under a point per game but yeah the uh, aside from Olsen, you know, he's had to do the heavy lifting in terms of actually converting and scoring the goals uh, on that line. So far, Eichel's just two, and then obviously Hall with just the one. So um, Eichel's the one that, you know, we'd really expect his goal scoring to turn. We talked about it, um, and he talked about it personally, about how he wanted to score more goals this year. Um, we obviously expected that to happen with, uh, with the introduction of Hall, but he's shooting just 4.5%. The shot volume still there, so very encouraging, and obviously something that you would expect to turn a guy like Eichel to be shooting. Uh, more than four and a half percent. Um, you know, not yeah. quite the sharp, the sharpshooter of a guy like Matthews, right? Ten point six percent career shooting percentage on Eichel. Uh, but yeah, obviously a guy who should be scoring a lot more than he is. Um, but I think, like I said, if this is the worst that we're going to see from the Sabers, it should be pretty encouraging for their owners because they're all still hovering right around a point per game. Yeah, you mentioned it at four and a half percent. He's never shot lower than nine in his career. He's actually like, like you said, pretty steady, just around that nine ten there, um, mm-hmm. with just just above ten average. So for him, it's really only going to go up, and and he's only a point off a point per game while um, his career or while having you know his shooting percentage almost half of what it has been in his career. So that that is really encouraging. Um, Hall scares the hell out of me, but um, yeah, Olsen too. I mean, he's just, he's a, it, it's crazy to think, you always think that those power play goals have to slow down a bit, but um, as long as he keeps pumping. Uh, he's just there, the, fo- he's just the focal crazy. point of that power play, right? Yeah. Like, yes, five of his six goals so nice come on the power own. play. Like, Darlene just shifts it over to him and he just rips an absolute rocket on net. Yeah. Um, I, I think kind of where I'm coming from too is I think that this whole like last week has yeah, caught just- a lot of, has yeah. caught a lot of owners by surprise, right? Because, like, yeah, like, you know, Eichel's all, you know, all of a sudden their numbers on the whole uh, still look pretty solid. But it, it's been a, a bit of a concerning return, I guess you could say. Like, you know, I, I, but I think that we're normally guys that are like, hey, don't worry about it. Like, it, it's going to be fine. And and I, I think that's kind of where I'm at with them is, you know, yeah, it was a bit of a disappointing return. But when you look at it, I mean, y- you had – 
two games against the, the Islanders. Are and, tough. And, yeah. and, and if you fall behind the Islanders, like being trailing the Islanders by one goal is like trailing any other team in the league by two goals. Like, and you apparently they're, they're can't tough get to... a shot in the third if you yeah. are. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. So uh, I think like, you know, obviously the COVID-19 thing, it, it, it sucks and it happened to them. And, you know, it's something they're going to have to battle back from. But it's not something that I'm overly you know, concerned about. I think the one thing that I, that does worry me a little bit, mostly on hall is that he's not even with Eichel or Olsen anymore. At this point, he's down with Eric Stahl and, and uh, that line at a whole really hasn't gotten anything going at all. Yeah. And I just want to point out too, right? Like uh, we talked about the last few years since the NHL started introducing uh, what was essentially that, you know, that week and a half March break for teams that got worked into their schedules where each team, whatever it was, I think it was nine or 10 days off. They would go without a game. Uh, and mm-hmm. it was obviously staggered throughout the league. Uh, and there was a growing trend as that got introduced that the teams that came back always, you know, it took them a few games to really hit the ground running again. Mm. Um, you know, it's not usual. And, you know, we say it all the time at the start of the year, the hockey's not always the most pleasing to the eye because there's some rust to shake off. Um, but when you're, when you got a team that's coming back and shaking off that rust against a team or another team or you know, multiple teams in the division that haven't had to stop playing at all and that have been playing games the whole time, right? That it's going to be really hard to, to come back and just hit the ground running for those teams that are forced to take these extended layoffs this season and then they come back and actually miss teams that haven't skipped a beat. So it shouldn't be at all surprising. I think we should really expect this to be a trend moving forward that, um, like I said, anytime a team is forced into an extended layoff this season, if they're not come back against another team that's also, um, you know, been in a bit of a shutdown or, or a rest period, they're, they're probably going to struggle uh, like I said, to hit the ground running. So it, it really isn't a surprise to me. And maybe that's why, you know, I'm not panicked at all. And any of these guys, I would say Rasmus Dahlin just really doesn't appease me at all from a, no, a fantasy no, perspective and redraft league. No. Uh, I like his shot volume. I still think he's one for the future. I think in a few years we'll be talking about him as one of the premier fantasy defensemen. But at this point, he just doesn't play enough for me. And there's simply too many options out there um, to warrant giving this guy a starting spot or, or, you know, even a roster spot at this point. But yeah, heard that. I, I think the one thing that, that, you know, you can look to Ross Mistaline and say, you know, his, you know, on a shooting percentage of 3% um, is something <laughs> that you would expect to at least pr- improve a little bit playing with guys like Eichel. And, yeah. And I just, Paul I don't on think, a regular basis, but um, I don't think it, his it, production of a, a point every other game is worth waiting around for is what I'm saying. No. Yeah. It, it's definitely getting to the point where it's, it's like, you know, there's Maybe not a, a the, 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 upside, the upside there is, is relatively limited in, in comparison yeah. to probably where you even drafted them. Um, I, I personally would, uh, you know, if, if he gets dropped and stuff, I would still add him because he is, you know, the, the focal point of, of, you know, the, the primary distributor on that top power play unit and he's feeding Eichel and uh, Olison all day. So there is room for, for him to pick up a decent amount of points, especially on the power play. But um, you know, at, just, at this point, yeah. if you, if you drafted him, it's like, it, it's obviously concerning, but if he gets dropped, I still think that it's, it's, he's got to be, you know, he, I think he should be, I think he yeah, should be and then you look more at the other cons- options that are available compared to him. Right. And they've been a lot more reliable in, in terms of their past uh, production and, and what we've seen so far from this year as well. So I would agree. There's obviously a lot of room for him to bounce back, but you know, we're talking about sure if that on ice shoot percentage doubles, then yeah, he's back to the half point per game pace. So I just like yeah. I said, I don't think the upside is worth waiting around four and redraft leagues, but no, yeah, like if he like that's what I'm saying. Like if he gets if he gets dumped or whatever, like I think he has about as much upside and as much consistency as you could really hope for out of like a fourth defenseman on your team. But I think the problem is as many people expected him to take a, a step forward this year. Um and then the one thing I just want to touch on quickly, uh about hitting the ground running and whatever, it is 
it, it really has been true. Like a lot of these teams that have come back have struggled to get back, uh, back up and running right away, except for the New Jersey Devils, apparently, who yeah. actually look good. Mackenzie Blackwood's unreal. Oh, Mackenzie Blackwood's amazing. But like, oh, and that that big acquisition they made in the summer, puck luck. It's it's really carried them to this point. That that has been a, that has been a big pickup for them. It's just like when some you nice at- goals though. That was a pretty ass goal last night. Did you guys see that? That spinorama. Yeah. Oh yeah. Woo! That's kind Woo! of the point though, right? You're not going to build an 82 game season off pretty no. goals, but. <laughs> but like when you when you <laughs> yeah, look exactly. at that uh, when you look at that roster, you're like, how are you even? How are you winning hockey games? Yeah, how are you competing? Um, all right, let's talk about a couple more guys really quickly here. Let's Cowboy talk Mary, about that's how. <laughs> let's talk about uh, Dylan Larkin here for a minute. Uh, yeah, you, you know we talked about we talked about uh, Anthony Mantha a couple weeks ago, maybe last week about how you know these are guys we expected to take a step forward. Uh, really hasn't happened. Uh, you know, I, as a Red Wings I didn't fan. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, as a Red Wings fan, you know, I, I lay the blame directly at, at the feet of Jeff Blaschel. Um, you know, we have seen almost uh, no ice time with Larkin and, and Mantha together. Uh, Bertuzzi obviously being out ha- has limited their chances to put them all three together. But uh, he finally put Zadina, uh, Larkin, and Mantha together halfway through the last game, and they absolutely dominated. Uh, so hopefully he keeps them together for at least, you know, one game tonight. Did uh, they actually it. dominate? I didn't oh, watch, yeah. but like, they, did they, they were actually dominate or was it just like they got a couple extra shots? No, like they had a 75% Corsi four for okay. the game. All like they, they, they just, that. they dominated. They, they <laughs> At first I was like, there's no way they No, I swear to God, they dominated. actually did. But they dominated the Chicago Not with Black Christian Hawks, Jews but... as their fucking D-man on the back end there. Hey, you don't like Christian Jews? Good skater. But you're right, it was against Chicago. Anyways, like I think that you know obviously um larkin is is in a little bit of trouble here uh in terms of just the surrounding cast he, he it dope, looks like he, he he needs to play I hate to tell you but i don't Trade think him. the i don't think the rebuild is going to coincide with larkin's prime at this point and i think no it doesn't it doesn't look promising for some pretty possibly zadina too because i think yeah, the rebuild I, is nice. I just hate watching larkin just just grind away to 50 point campaigns in detroit because yeah. he's he's so much better than that so good well you know uh, like 1 billion percent he's not right? getting traded you guys called he's up special brother he's 24 though i think stevie y might do it maybe not this year but i think another year or two down the line uh if they the wait they waited the rebuild they really waited and together yeah they waited and waited, waited to name a captain and then named him captain he didn't get traded anywhere but okay, I don't disagree. Years. If they're thirty second for another two years, then trust me, it's going to be talked about. This, yeah, no, it'll definitely sit there with nothing to play with. Nothing to play with him. I don't necessarily disagree. I, 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 I think that uh, I, I think that is something that might be considered. Eichel's been doing ways. it with a thirty yeah, first place like roster in Buffalo. Yeah, oh, Eichel's getting traded probably to Detroit for all of our first yeah. round picks that we. Yeah, he's going to Pittsburgh for Crosby straight up. I, uh, I don't expect it <laughs> sure to happen, happen this year, which is what I said from the start. But yeah, like I said, if this rebuild doesn't start to come together soon, uh, his days could be numbered in Detroit. His years, I guess. Is that better? Yeah, years is better. Uh, but yeah, I don't disagree. But okay, in terms of fantasy from this year, uh, is he even somebody you guys would consider buying low on or just let whoever has him deal with him? I'd buy low on him. Um, personally, I would buy low just because of, you know, he is no matter what playing a minute 20 of all of those two minute power plays. It looks like, and just, he is the main, he's the one guy I want on Detroit right now. If anyone, um, not, I don't even necessarily want, I like 80% want him. Um, but I only say that because again, I have him in two leagues. So I have to kind of just, just check. I have to, uh, you know, <laughs> really, really stand by my boy on this one, Brock. And I will say in that league D I grabbed him just to watch him play. And, uh, 
due to COVID. Um, nice. Yeah, a little awkward. I, uh, realistically, I, he, he, he's, he's on pace for, for, Yeah, like he's, he's on pace in terms of his, his, his shot volume. Um, obviously, the shooting percentage at 6.8% is, is brutal. But uh, in, in terms of his actual shot volume, he, he could be on pace for 20 goals still. Yeah, and he's still the 135th, I mean, for what it's worth, ranked player on Yahoo, which um, for a lot of leagues that I'm in, they're 12-team leagues with nearly 20 players. Uh, he's still checking out in most rosters there. So, like, with this already bad year. So, here we are. D? Yeah, I think he's worth the flyer for sure. Obviously, I'd, I'd be weary of how much uh, I, I'm moving oh, for trade? him. I'm not. <laughs> I keep really, hell yeah. But I, I'm not. Um, in redraft leagues, I still think there's some value there. Um, certainly if I have him, I'm holding on to him right now because the market value isn't as high as it should be for him. Um, I don't know how much I'm moving for him because obviously with the surrounding cast, there's only it can only get so much better for Larkin at this point. Uh, but yeah, I talked about it for years. I absolutely love his shot volume. Um, and obviously he's going to be playing a ton of minutes. I, I just think he's such a great uh, player that the, the points are going to come around at least a little bit where he'll get back to at least a 55 to 60 point pace um, and should score enough goals where, you know, even the bottom of the fourth production, I should say, uh, will be worth owning in fantasy league. So if you can get him for, you know, waiver wire fodder or, you know, a couple of lesser guys on your on your roster, maybe some sort of two for one, certainly worth the guy targeting, uh, guy worth targeting I think. Um, but at that same time, I'm not going to move any proven uh, or reliable, uh, I guess, options or, or producers for him, if that makes sense. The, the strict center eligibility isn't doing him any favors. Yeah, it's it's that's tough for sure. Yeah. Somebody that'll definitely be a little bit more difficult to pry from his current owner's hands uh, would be Roman Yossi. But he was a guy that was very high up on our uh, D rankings for obvious reasons. He's been absolutely stellar throughout his, uh, throughout his career. But, you know, the numbers really don't... Uh, aren't anywhere close to what they were last year. He was a near point per game player last year, just half a point per game so far this year, eight points, two goals in 16 games. Uh, you know, obviously Roman Yossi, the usage is massive. The, the shop, uh, shot volume has been, you know, pretty good still uh, 3.8 shooting percentage though. Uh, and a 7% on a shooting percentage. So uh, obviously, um, you know, not too many red flags in, 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 and definitely uh, some potential for him to bounce back. But the, the Predators have really struggled so far this year. And mm-hmm. if the Predators continue to go down this road, is there an avenue for Yossi to still be, uh, you know, a, a top 12 defenseman this year? The Predators are, are Biebs, whoever wants to start. I, I, just, I just want to point out the Predators. I just was looking at stats because I was like, Preds aren't scoring shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're currently 29th, only in front of Anaheim and Detroit in uh, goals four per game. Um, so again, that's in front of Anaheim and Detroit. Those are two absolutely shit teams. Um, so with his 52 shots, I mean, we love that, that type of shot production. We're a shot production podcast. Um, the 3.8%, like I said, has to get better. Um, but you know, just that team, I, I, I don't see things changing anytime soon. It's not like there's, there's someone not slotted in who's going to come in and start potting the goals. And it's definitely going to get better for Yossi. Um, I mean, it can't get, it's almost like Lafreniere where it can't get worse. Um, I think, but, uh, at the same time, I, I mean, I would definitely make a trade for him. I'm not gonna lie. He, he was, he's, he's a top five point D man every single year. He's going to come back to earth. Um, even if it's a little bit slower than normal, but, uh, but yeah, so I guess yeah, he had 20, 23 points with the man advantage last year. Obviously that's been the main, uh, the main component from point totals this season, no goals, just two assists on the power play so far this season. Uh, the Preds are cooking at just 14% with the man advantage, uh, which, you know, they haven't been good for a number of years now with the power play, which has really hampered them and, and limited their potential as a team. 
Uh, but last year, you know, they were at least a little bit more respectable uh, than, than the 17 or sorry, than 14 percent. Um, so we expect some a bit of a bounce back there. Obviously, OC should be the main uh, driving factor uh, in any success that the Predators do have on the power play. And like you said, we, we just expect those shooting percentage totals to bounce back a little bit. I don't think he can be a, a point player if that power play doesn't make some serious strides, uh, but certainly can still, you know, be a, a, a top one or two defenseman yeah. on fantasy teams this season. I'm taking point bringing player out, out of the cards this, this year. Hmm. Personally. Uh, the, uh, the, the one thing that is obviously the biggest concern in terms of, you know, expecting that power play to bounce back is they rank dead last in the NHL in power play percentage over the last three seasons. Um, they've just never had a good power play for you whatever reason, which doesn't, which doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, yeah. That's what I said. Right. But I, I just expect it to be a little bit better than 14%. It doesn't need to be great for Yossi's production. So, yeah. so, you know, respectable. I just can't believe you can't have like I, I how that could be a worse power play than Anaheim and Detroit for like three years running with Yossi and Ellis at the, at the helm with Phil Forsberg, Arvidsson. Like crazy. just make, makes no sense to me. But uh, all right, another guy that's really come out of the gate slow, and we've talked about the, you know his lack of production quite a bit. Mika Zibanejad, um, you know he he obviously plays you know pretty uh, tough minutes against you know the, the top teams or top lines every single night, but. The production just has not been there. Three points in his first 15 games of the season. It's It's been absolutely dreadful. Uh, obviously, last year, you know, he, we talked about this guy definitely being somebody that was being drafted too early this year, uh, but still liked him quite a bit because the shot volume was exceptional. Uh, 2.3 shooting percentage so far this season, 4.7 on a shooting percentage. So obviously, tons of room for growth. Is this the prime buy low candidate right now for you, D? Uh, yeah, I think so. And I- someone who owns advantage ad right now you just have to wait it out right it's obviously not the time uh to trade him you're a real sucker if you do go for it but if if you can prime away from someone right now absolutely go for it uh i don't think and we talked about before right we don't expect them to be anywhere near that that pace he was at last season 75 points in just 57 games uh but obviously there's just too much talent here i think there's still a player uh within me because advantage ad and someone who's going to score a lot of goals on top of that so uh, yes, we expect that 2.3 shooting percentage and the on-ice shooting percentage to bounce back. Um, like you said, Brock, one of the prime buy candidates in the league right now. And if you do have them, you just got to wait it out. Yeah, this is, the, I mean, we're seeing it in New York. Um, it's just, it's, 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 it's tough, tough times out there. But with those minutes, um, I, w- I would personally take a flyer on him if I was making a trade right now. It's just, there's a lot of good stuff around there. It's a guy who put up 74 and 75 points his last two years. Um, I do think things are going to come a lot more back to that. Um, and New York, New York as well um, is right there with Nashville. Um, when I was looking at these goals for per game, this one blew my mind. 26th in the league right now for goal, in goals for for a game for New York. So when things get better over there, I mean, I say this every podcast, though, when things get better. So uh, we got like, fuck, when do I when do I stop? The, uh, one, the one thing that worries me is that. You know, that that line as a whole really isn't generating um, a whole lot in terms of scoring chances on a nightly basis. I'm, I'm looking at this constantly, and it's just, you know, their, their course for, you know, 46%. They've really been struggling. I, I think that it's it's going to have to come uh, to the to a point where, um, you know, maybe they put Panarin up there and they just say, hey, Panarin, it's a bandage head. You guys deal with the other team's top pairing every single night, and then hopefully Kako and Strom and, and these other, you know, um, 
secondary pieces can deal with the the depth of the other team because uh, the Kreider Buchnevich Zibanejad thing has just not been working so far this year. Uh, obviously, you know, Kreider I don't think it, it hasn't been nearly as bad as as it might look when you look at Zibanejad's numbers. Like they haven't been that bad, uh, but. It is a little bit concerning. I think it's obviously going to be very difficult for him to come anywhere close to what uh, what he was doing last year for the remainder of this season. Uh, but obviously, you know, with that kind of shot volume, uh, a player that's pretty damn good, you know, you I, I don't think he's going to shoot 2% for very much longer. But, no. um, okay, another guy uh, who has barely played, um, and, and people are getting so frustrated. I get comments on Twitter every single day, every time I tweet about this guy, like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Why won't he play? Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois. So obviously another a bit of a, a yeah another a bit of a tumultuous <laughs> departure from from uh, Columbus uh, gets to Winnipeg plays two games gets her has been out of the lineup um, he he isn't going to play tonight it does look like he's on uh, the verge of returning and, and to me I think he's another really good buy low candidate uh, because I like it's not like he's a manager and he's not producing he's just not even fucking playing so people <laughs> are getting so frustrated with him and. Yeah, for a while. When when he comes into the lineup, he is going to be playing with Nick Ehlers most likely, and Ehlers has been uh, you know a man possessed so far this year, much better than we've even seen from him in, in recent years. Um, and, and I think that that is a very coveted spot, and that's a line that can be much better um, with with Dubois instead of Stasty. And, and maybe it's not Ehlers. Maybe they do what they were doing a couple games ago, where it's Kyle Connor down there with. Dubois, it doesn't really matter is what I'm saying. He's going to be playing with talented wingers one way or the other. And I think it's a very coveted spot. And this is an opportunity while he's out to get him much lower than you'd ever be able to. Yeah. And I, I think it's, you know, it's another thing where he's probably, you know, I'd be surprised if he really hits the ground running too, right? He's played just seven games this season, just two over the last 30 days. Um, and then, yeah, obviously tweaked, uh, what was it, his back that he tweaked when he was, when he finally got on the ice for Winnipeg. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't expect him to come in and be playing at a 100% workload either. I'm sure they're going to want to try to ease him in a little bit. Uh, even that his minutes are probably going to be a little bit capped or at least more capped than they were in Columbus with, uh, Mark Shifley ahead of him on the depth chart. Um, so yeah, certainly a guy that I think, um, over the next extended period will probably be a, a bit of a, a, a buy low candidate and one of the better ones in the league. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I is another guy that I, that I own in, uh, uh, that I own in the same league as Zibanejad, uh, Petrie and Pavelski were really bailing me out for the first few weeks of the season. But uh, yeah, I, I really need these guys to start producing sooner than later. Uh, but I don't, like I said, I, I think it's still going to be a couple of weeks before we really see what Dubois can do in Winnipeg, even if he does get on the ice a little bit sooner than that. I just think it's going to take some time for him to work himself up to game speed. And then, of course, get comfortable with the new system, with new line mates, new teammates as well. Um, so yeah, it, it might be a bit... Uh, it might be a bit of a transitional year for P- PLD, right? Like, I don't know uh, how easy it's going to be for him to really, uh, like I said, produce like we know he can. Um, but having said that, just like Zibanejad, it cannot get any worse. So certainly one of the better Bilo candidates in the league right now. Uh, and if you have him, you listen to the show right now. You just have to hold on to him. There's nothing else you can do. Um, you, you can't cut your losses at this point because uh, you'll simply just be ripping yourself off. Not on PLD. I agree. Okay, so, um, <laughs> you know, D, you, you said that you've been tied as a Banajad and, and Dubois. I actually have Dubois and Malkin. So <laughs> both of our fantasy teams not looking so sexy right now because Evgeny Malkin, another buy-low candidate. Uh, you know, he's a guy that we talked about quite a bit in the early portions of, of the season as somebody who started off uh, extremely slow. He is starting to come around a little bit. Two goals, two assists in his last five games. 
so he is actually, he's been a little bit harder than that. He's two goals and, and four assists in his last uh, seven games. So he's heating up a little bit, uh, but still nowhere near kind of what we expect to see from Evgeny Malkin. Um, 74 points in 55 games last year. Uh, so literally the shortened season uh, is what he played a season ago. So far, just nine points in his first 15 games this year. Uh, 8.3 shooting percentage on a shooting percentage of 9.1. Um, Biebs, I know that you're running low on time here. So we'll start with you. Evgeny Malkin, anybody, uh, is he somebody that you're going to be looking at targeting right now? Or are you kind of just whatever at it? Give me all of that milk. And if anyone wants to give me some of that, give me all of that milk. This is a guy, I, I couldn't believe it. I actually didn't look at his prior years um, before doing this little segment here. I just looked at this year, and uh, he hasn't put up less than a point per game in honestly forever. Um, you can look at the stats. It's literally forever. Uh, since 2010, uh, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, so this is someone who, you know, it, it, stuff like this always ends up turning around can guarantee you in any of those last 10 seasons, he's had around nine points in 15 games of Malkin is known for his heaters. And it seems like he's kind of on one right now. Um, you know, this is the guy where at the end of the year, I think we're going to be talking about him at a point per game, if not higher than a point per game. Like you said, last year, Brock 74 points in 55 games, which is the exact almost replica of this year. Um, you know, things in, in, in Pittsburgh weren't clicking at first, and they seem to be clicking a little bit more, a little bit more Pittsburgh-like lately. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I got Malkin uh, doing a little bit more this year. Only one power play point so far um, in those 15 games. And, you know, once he starts getting those, he's a guy who's had no less than 23 power play points in his last, uh, and again, those 10 years. Um, so, yeah, Malkin, uh, things are going to change. A 10-year... Sample size, some might call that small. Um, I'm going to call that incredibly large. Uh, so, yeah, so I expect him to go back to that, even though he's 34. Um, yeah, give me some Malkin if anyone wants to deal him and uh, get your hands on him. Yeah, I just think even at even at his age, obviously, you know, there is some kind of tapping here, but he just has so far to fall off. And, uh, yeah, we obviously didn't really believe that uh, the totals were really true of what he was creating on the ice. Um, and even his underlying numbers have improved mightily uh, over the last seven games. Like you said, we have six points in those seven games. So it seems to be back on track uh, and at least closer to, yeah, w- what I would expect from him at this point out somewhere around a point per game pace. I'd be surprised, you know, if he got back to the levels we saw from him last season that I think, you know, crazy. these older guys are the ones that uh, obviously we've seen it are just having a little bit of a tougher time with the condensed schedule this season. Um, but yeah, it really seems to have his life behind him now. So certainly a guy where if the opportunity is still there, I'd be looking to buy, uh, looking to buy low on him. Um, because yeah, I'd expect him to be around a point per game for the rest of the season. Yeah, he, he has started to improve. And I think the most important thing, uh, at least in the short term here is they, they, they've, put Brian Russ back on his wing last night. And that seems to be uh, somebody that's been really important for Malkin in recent years. They've, they've really thrived. I think he's their best player at this point. Man. Yeah. He's, yeah. He, he's, he, uh, Malkin has absolutely thrived with Brian Russ on his wing. They put Kapanen on the top line with Crosby. And that's more of what we expected to see uh, coming into the season. And, and, and Brian Russ just looks absolutely terrific. That's what um, I said. I, Russ I was to... too good. They just had to see him with Crosby and Gensel. Just, <laughs> yeah, just, it was, it was, just get a peek. It was funny because I, I was doing like the DFO, uh, the DFS show yesterday and I was going through like whatever, all the, the top stacks of the night and looking at their, their prices and Rust was more expensive than Crosby and Gensel. And I was like, what a world we live in. I love it. This is terrific. And you're stuff. like, yep, that sounds about right. Yeah. He's just been so good. So good. Yeah. So uh, that is a huge thing for Malkin. And if they continue to roll with that, that look, um, that, that's huge for him for sure. For sure. Uh, but 
But Biebs, I know you've got to run, right? I do. I do. Okay. COVID's that's- got me on scheduled gym times that I may have scheduled six days ago. That's no worries. So Biebs, thank you so much for stopping by. As always, we will we will finish up this show. Just D and I, we will talk about some sell high candidates. So Biebs, you want to say goodbye to the people? We will uh, we will carry on here. This is uh this is where the the show listens start spiking up. This is where people really turn on the episode and uh you know they skip the first hour because this is, <laughs> this is where the good stuff starts. But uh, yeah, we'll make no, sure timestamp it. We got a sick ass game going on in Lake Tahoe tomorrow. I'm uh, I'm pretty fucking excited for that. It looks unreal. I don't know if you guys have seen any of the pictures out there. Uh, yeah, Tyson Yosh awesome. just tossed a picture up uh, or a story up. It looks it, it looks beautiful. Um, literally the stuff that happens in my dream. So gonna be a cool game. Um, sucks that we're playing Vegas for the third time this week. But uh, we sorry sucks that Colorado's playing Vegas for the third time this week. Um, but you know what? It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, and I'll, I'll catch you guys in a week. And make sure to be here for a full episode at that time. Time to get love you, Beebs. It looks so love you, Beebs. Talk to you, buddy. Good luck. Have a Woo. fun time at the gym. COVID nineteen restrictions are easy. What? Woo. Uh, but yeah, that that Lake Tahoe game looks absolutely incredible. Uh, but all right, D, let's move on here. Um, Did you? Without sorry, Biebs. do you know this movie that they keep talking about that this was inspired by the Lake Tahoe thing, Mystery no. Alaska? I've never heard. Oh of yeah. Movie before. Have you, you heard know, of it? It's I, yeah. It's it, it's. I haven't seen it in, in years. Uh, good shit though. But uh, I, I haven't seen it in a really long time. No, it's a good movie. You definitely need to tune in. It's it's, yeah, it's outstanding. Starring, uh, stars Russell Crowe, and it's about an yeah. amateur ice hockey team from the fictional small town of Mystery that plays an exhibition game against the NHL's New York Rangers. And it was shot in Banff National Park, which is uh, pretty cool. I, just, I never knew this movie existed, and now I have to watch it because apparently that was the driving inspiration. Uh, yeah, and it looks, it, it looks it looks incredible. Like, it looks awesome. Yeah. It's going to be fun to see two games there. Uh, I, can, I don't remember who said it today. Somebody from Vegas, I believe, and said it's like literally the nicest outdoor rink in the history of hockey. Like, it's just incredible stuff. Just, I think, Mark's, they, built I think it was a, they built it on the 18th fairway of the golf course in just a few days. Pretty, Did uh, you see? So, okay. So I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, but apparently years ago, Joe Sackick had a hole in one, I think on number 17 at that golf course. Um, so during Come the on. first intermission of Saturday's game or Sunday's game, whichever one that Nathan McKinnon's not playing in. So Sunday's game, I think, I don't know what, no. Yeah. Sunday's game, Nathan McKinnon's going, Nathan McKinnon's going and hitting a shot on the 17th hole to try to get a hole in one. And if he does, <laughs> I think if he does like Joe Sackick is donating a shitload of money or something like yeah, that. And if he does sure. it, then Nathan McKinnon's donating. Money. So it's like, okay, well, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. But that, uh, I hope he uses that uh, that wedge he talked about on the uh, on the Chicklets podcast when him and Crosby were on. Uh, I haven't listened to many episodes, but that that, that was a great listen. That the Crosby and <laughs> where McKinnon was just sitting in the background, and Crosby was telling a story about some completely illegal wedge that McKinnon has in his bag. That's like <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's like it's one of those like alien sand wedges, but apparently they call it the spin doctor just because like it just like, <laughs> goes straight up in the air and just gets ridiculous suck back like no matter where you hit it. So. Uh, hopefully he whips that out for for the crack at the hole in one. That'd be hilarious. But all right, let's get to some sell high candidates before we wrap up today's show and head on to our weekend. Uh, somebody that we've been talking about quite a bit in terms of like somebody that we would be interested in owning, but I also think it is probably the best time to trade this guy, and that's James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, you know, I, I would assume probably largely undrafted for the most part in this uh, this year, but somebody that's really uh, been probably one of the top waiver wire pickups in yeah and i uh, 
I don't want to toot my own horn here, Brock, but I'm pretty sure I was the main one championing him when we uh, when we brought him up on the podcast a few weeks ago. Yeah, some sometimes we get stuff right. Uh, actually, almost all the time, it's like we know what we're talking about. But uh, you yeah. you definitely uh, you know firsthand knowledge of James Van Riemsdyk. Um, 18 points, seven goals, 11 assists in 14 games this season. Crazy. Uh, so they are going to be without six players again. Uh, as they head to Lake Tahoe, that leaves James Van Riemsdyk on the top line. Uh, so if, if you're in a league where, where people don't really pay uh, as much attention as you might, maybe tonight or right now is the time to trade James Van Riemsdyk because they might be like, oh, I'm going to go check daily faceoff. What line is he on? Oh, first line, first power play unit. He's got 18 points in 14 games. Now is the time to trade James Van Riemsdyk. Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right on that one. Uh, it, it would be a shame, especially because I'm sure a lot of people picked him up from the wire and they're probably loving the value that they've been getting out of him. So uh, I would say I, I still expect him to score a lot of goals. And even when he goes back to a more sheltered and limited role, um, it, it just screams of that, uh, you know, the similarities are just are just there between, uh, you know, this season and that last season uh, he had in Toronto where he's playing under 15 minutes a night and managed 36 goals. So uh clearly like i said if it, if you manage his minutes right at 5v5 you put him in the right uh situations um and yeah we give him all around the world uh, and as the net front presence on your top power play unit he's going to score a lot of goals for you so uh, i think you still need to get some decent value for him but like you said there's probably not a better time to trade him um because yeah like the, that casual fan is going to see that return they're going to go uh, and pull it up on the fine website that is dailyfaceoff.com and, and, you know, think it's uh, a little bit more legit than it, than it actually is. Because like you said, he's getting all the ice time right now, which uh, obviously we expect them to return to that more limited and sheltered role uh, once they get healthy again. I think the main concern with him is just got to be, well, I mean like four of those assists came in one game, uh, which is hilarious. Cause I think right before that we talked about like, is he going to have more assists than goals? And then he comes out with a four assist game, like the next night to yeah. give him a nice cushion there. Uh, but like, you know, the 21% shooting percentage and then 18.9% on a shooting percentage are, are, you know, super alarming. Um, obviously with James Van Riemsdyk, you are, are kind of banking a little bit more on that power play production than you are at the five and five production anyway. Um, but like, you know, obviously that 21% shooting percentage, it's, you know, he's never done that. It, you know, yeah. if, well, I don't know yeah, if that's going to surprise never, anyone. Uh, he's also never had uh, like a point and a half per game <laughs> in his career. Right. So obviously there, we should expect him to, to fall back down to earth a little bit here. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, and obviously, right, like most people are are, are pretty smart and, pr- and pretty privy to the fact that, you know, this is a little bit uh, out of the norm for James Van Riem's sake. But he he right now seems like one of like just the best like throw in pieces as like a secondary option in a trade to try to do a nice two for two deal. And, sweetener. And throw, yeah, like he is the best sweetener right now that there is at this point in time. Uh, because he his numbers are just ridiculous, and you know the more they play with without half the good players in the roster, uh, the more he's going to go pointless, and the the less uh, the more that point per game production is going to come down. Um, right. But uh, so you know you, you talked about how it it might be a little bit difficult for some of these older players in this condensed schedule. Uh, but one guy who's not having any issue with that is thirty three year old Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, who's just been on an absolute tear so far this year, uh, getting back to like the Nicholas Backstrom we saw in like 2017. He has eight goals, which is almost <laughs> matches I mean, his we've total never output. Seen that from him. 
Yeah, he almost matching his total output from a season ago through 15 games, uh, 12 assists. He's got 20 points in, in 15 games so far this season. Uh, obviously, this is going to be a trend with a lot of these sell high candidates uh, shooting a uh, you know a career high 25 percent with an on ice shooting percentage of 14 and 14.6 percent. So both you know much higher than what you'd expect to see from him, but. Uh, you know, this is, this is a pretty good Washington team. He, he is going to be playing with Verona or Oshi or Rovechkin on any given night. Um, so is he somebody that you really want to want to sell high on at this point? Or is this something that looks like it's relatively sustainable to you? And the fact that you got him much later in the draft than you used to have to get him, uh, just kind of enjoying this value you're getting from Nick Backstrom. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, it's like you just kind of look at my uh, the, my team in my keeper league, Brock, and we're just picking through my roster at this point. Uh, but yeah, one of the another one of the few bright spots that's keep my kept my season alive was advantage at and uh, Dubois being MIA. Uh, but yeah, to your point, Backstrom was a guy that I've had for years in that league, and I've had to keep him uh, year after year. Uh, and then last year, obviously, you know, I couldn't justify. Uh, dedicating a keeper to him, even if he had 54 points in 61 games, that low goal output. And then I was able to even get him in like the fourth or fifth round of, of the keeper draft, right? So that's like 15, 15 rounds deep uh, overall. So obviously, you know, keeper league, his values, you know, da- you know damage a little bit more because teams that aren't really gearing up uh, for this season aren't, aren't going to see a ton of value in him. At, but he's still just, I say just, but, you know, he's been in the league for 14 years, uh, but 33 years old. So, you know, certainly uh, a couple of years left before, you know, we could really expect the the, the wheels uh, to start falling off. And, you know, the one thing that hasn't left him at all in recent years has been his playmaking ability, right? Um, last year was the first year since 2012-13 that he finished with less than 50 assists. And that was simply because he wasn't healthy, right? He had 42 assists uh, in 61 games. So um, always a guy that's going to be over uh, a half a game uh, or sorry, uh, half a half an assist per game. Um, so I think we can still, you know, steadily rely on that production uh, from him this year. And that's why I think he's still going to be a- around a point per game. The goal scoring, um, it seemed like he really stepped up or realized he needed to shoot the puck more when, you know, the Caps ran into trouble uh, earlier in the year with the COVID protocols and Ovi was uh, forced to sideline, uh, you know, alongside others. Um, so, yeah, he really, like I said, he was really shooting the puck more. I think there was a four or five game stretch where he had almost 20 shots on goal, which is obviously really uh, out of the norm for him. And yeah, once OV came back, I expected the goal scoring to die back down. And uh, this is kind of where, you know, the 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 sniping or the puck luck has really happened, right? He's scored uh, three goals in his last four games on five shots. So obviously that's where we expect him to come back on earth, right? Is is the goal scoring like you talked about Um I don't think you can rely on him for much more than a 15 to 20 goal pace, but the assists are going to keep him around a point per game. So I think that's how you have to value him in redraft leagues, a guy like a point per game player, but it's obviously always going to be heavily skewed towards the apples. Yeah. And it's not like this is anything new, like you said, right? This is Nicholas mm-hmm. Backstrom. This has been the Nicholas Backstrom that we've known for, for 14 years in the NHL. And you kind of knew that this is what you're getting with him. And he's always been a guy that you kind of get later in the draft uh, because of that. And this year he's kind of taken it to a new level. So I, I think that that's why this is such an interesting sell high case is because of the goals. Like it's like people might be like, what the fuck? Like right. maybe he's a goal scorer now, but like we know better than that. And so I, I think that's why he makes such an interesting case. But at the same time, you know that this is reliable production, at least from an assist perspective uh, f- for Nicholas Backstrom. So, uh, you know, obviously you seem like the best guy to talk about uh, this because another guy that you've been relying on heavily in your fantasy hockey season thus far is Jeff Petrie. So yeah, from a firsthand pers- 
from a firsthand perspective, you've owned Jeff Petrie. Uh, obviously, the, the, the start was just outrageous. We did see the uh, Canadians kind of, you know, taper off a little bit in, in recent games. But um, Jeff Petrie still clicking at a point per game pace at this point in the season. Six goals, nine assists. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, when we did talk about him quite a bit, I, I was a little bit worried about his, you know him maintaining that production because it was obviously very unsustainable. Uh, yeah. But we expected him to, to still be maybe around a, a 35 to 40 point defenseman by season's end. So is this somebody that you're just kind of, again, also just holding on to because you've got him so late in a draft and, and just riding this out for the year? Yeah. And I don't think his name carries a whole lot of value, um, especially in a keeper league, right? I don't, it's not someone that I'm really going to be looking to move. If someone, you know, offers me any sort of value that, you know, is treating him as if he's a top, uh, you know, a number one fantasy defenseman, then, then yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll entertain some offers, but um, yeah, I don't think the name value is really there to the point where people are going to want to move, um, you know, night and day to, to get this guy on their team. Um, and yeah, I, I just think his production is going to be really reliable. So, you know, I'm not going to move him just for the sake of moving him. I, I, I think he's going to um, be somewhere between a 45 to 50 point pace, if that makes sense. So I would expect him from here on out to be a little bit better than half a point per game, uh, which is what we've seen from him since he's been in Montreal. Um, so, yeah, and obviously the, the reason that I, you know, I, I took him in my league this year and he was the last defenseman I, I took for my for my team to fill it out. And obviously it's it's paid off. Uh, incredibly well, but he he can score goals from the back end, right? He's had three go- or three straight years with double digit goals, uh, shoots like you know an above average amount for a defenseman. So uh, certainly a guy that's going to be worth rostering from here on out. Uh, but if you get an offer uh, where someone's valuing him as a number one or two fantasy defenseman, I, I definitely uh, would consider taking it. Uh, but yeah, not a guy that I'm desperate to move because I think he's going to be still be a pretty valuable piece from here on out. Yeah, like there's really no reason to to move him at this point in time because it's like. You know, he's going to be reliable. He's on that top power play unit. This is a team that's going to score a lot of goals in in that division. And I think that's still something we need to remember and still worry about because that is, you know, no one's going to score more goals than a team in that North division this season. And it's going to be hard to, you know, it's not like you have a lot invested in him where it's to the point where if he slows down, it's going to really even matter to you, right? You know, most of these teams that have Jeff Petrie are, are, are insulated with other top uh, defenseman. So exactly not somebody that, you know, you need to be pressing, but yeah, I do agree. It's like, if you, if somebody comes to you and says, man, I really want Jeff Peachy, you'll be like, I really, really want to give you Jeff. Right. Exactly. Um, Nick Ewers, we talked about him a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, Obviously his numbers are terrific. He's among the NHL's uh, leading goal scorers, having scored 10 goals with eight assists in his first uh, 16 games of the season. Uh, Ehlers has always been a guy that we've been extremely high on on this show, but we've never really seen anything quite like this from him. Uh, and it's interesting because his ice time really hasn't increased uh, at all. Uh, you know, he, he is riding a, a little bit higher than normal shooting percentage at 17%. The on-ice shooting percentage at 15% is super high. Uh, but, like, if you could get, like, it, let's say you could trade – Nick Ehlers for, for Taylor Hall straight up. Would, would you even consider that at this point? No, no, I like Ehlers a lot. Um, you know, I, 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 I think there's a, there's a lot of stock to what he's done so far. I mean, when you look at a guy who has 10 goals in 16 games, you're expecting to see a higher shooting percentage of 17.2%, right? Um, he's firing the puck a ton and obviously still with some deadly accuracy, 15 or sorry, 58 shots in just 16 games. So I think the goal scoring, uh, at least the strides we've seen at this point, uh, it's been completely legit. So, um, and it, like you said, we've been high on his quality, his talent for years now. So 
Uh, he's definitely a guy that I, I would back to continue uh, what we've seen from him so far this season. I don't think there's any reason to, to you know, expect him to take a turn suddenly at this point in terms of his goal scoring. Uh, obviously, the assists could fall back down a little bit, right? The, the most interesting thing, though, about him is he's still playing under 17 minutes a night uh, and still not getting those primo top tier 5v5 minutes uh, alongside the likes of Shifley, Wheeler, or Connor, you know, whatever combination that, that might be for him. Uh, and again, you know, with the addition of Dubois, if they do get some run together, uh, that could hopefully like uh, help offset the incoming regression in terms of his on-ice shooting percentage. So uh, I just, I think he's a really honest 40 goal pace this season. I, you know, in terms of for a full season, so a goal every other game. Um, I, that's kind of what I would expect to see from, from here on out, just based off what he's shown us so far. I think this is a real breakout uh, campaign for him and I think if he continues at this point uh, or producing at this pace Maurice is going to have uh, no choice but to give him another look on the top line and I think it could be really good for him to drop a guy like uh, Wheeler down for example to play with Dubois uh, and then all of a sudden you get two real play drivers on that line right it, it could bring a lot more balance uh, to that to that lineup as well so certainly a guy that has the potential to, to move on up that lineup and, and play even more um, and at that point the score would be the yeah, do you put any like stock into the you know maybe the fact that losing somebody I mean, like Patrick Line could help him in in, in a in a sense that he's maybe less you know deferring less and, and shooting more and he's taking on more of this is a my line type of mentality and and trying to get things done on his own as opposed to being like you know here let's just give it to the guy who's one of the best shooters in the NHL. Yeah, I, I do think there's uh, there's some truth there for sure and. Uh... You know, I'm sure Ehlers is feeling that, um, even if it's just a mental thing, right? That inspires the, you know, to really just ask more of yourself. But yeah, obviously, uh, for years that was a line that was catering to Patrick Line, and you know, the whole point of the line was um, was how how can we get how can we create chances and how can we get shooting opportunities for Patrick Line, which you know, fair play, understandably so. But uh, yeah, you know, it, even if not in terms from a, tactically, it's not that different. I think even just from a a personal or, or mental mindset. Um, certainly it's gotta, it's gotta, you know, inspire Ehlers to, to take more on, on, uh, on his plate or his shoulders for sure. So we talked about Brian Rust a little bit earlier and about how he's now the best maybe player in Pittsburgh. Uh, at, at least this season, he's looked just absolutely outstanding. <laughs> um, he's another one of these guys, right? Like, I mean, like, yeah, you can sell high on them, but at this point, do you, you, did you really have that much invested in Brian Rust? I remember talking about him in the preseason as a sleeper because his, his, uh, ADP was just so low in comparison to some of the other talented players that were playing in top sixes that it's like, like, why would you not take this guy at that point? And he's, and he's, you know, paid off in spades to this point with six goals, nine assists, 15 points in 15 games. Uh, you know, really no red flags whatsoever. Yeah. His, his shooting percentage is actually lower than his career average at 10.2% on a shooting percentage right in line with what it was last year playing in a full season with Malkin. Um, you know, he really looks like a guy who, you know, I, I think the reason his own percentage or uh, sorry, ADP was, was so low is because a lot of people saw what he did last year with 27 goals. Uh, you know, shooting percentage was a little bit high and they didn't think that this was something that was sustainable for him. But this year, he you know, he's just kind of, I think to me, kind of solidifying himself as just a really, really good player and somebody that I would be holding on to. Yeah, I don't think he's really overachieved at all to, to back your point. And uh, yeah, I, I think for the last two seasons, he's been a very uh, legitimate and worthy uh, point per game player and that's what I would expect uh, from here on out 
Um, obviously, I like his upside a little bit more playing with Crosby and Gensel on the top line. But as long as he's getting top power play time, obviously dropping back to play with Malkin, uh, hardly a setback in terms of his upside. So, yeah, I like Rust a lot. And he's another guy like Petrie. I just don't think his name carries um, the amount of value that he can actually bring to a fantasy team. So uh, certainly not a guy that I would be selling high on because, like I said, I think his everything we've seen from him to this point uh, has been really honest in terms of the underlying numbers. Um, and yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to command the type of return um, that you should be able to get out of, a, out of someone with his production. So uh, definitely a guy I'm looking to hold on to. All right. Somebody whose name without question does hold a lot of weight in terms of trade talks is Jonathan Huberto. And he's the last guy we're going to talk about here before we let you guys enjoy your weekend. Jonathan Huberto has been absolutely outstanding so far this year. 20 points, 7 goals, 13 assists in 14 games. But <laughs> only 19 shots on goal to score 7 goals. He has the highest shooting percentage in the entire league at, wait for it, 36.8%, <laughs> which is just insane. Um, and then a 14% on-ice shooting percentage as well. Um, so... For me, somebody who you know is looking at what these lines are doing night in and night out at five v five, Huberto unfortunately is somebody to me that I, I am looking to move uh, because for the sole reason that his numbers are outstanding and that his name does actually carry a ton of value. But at five v five, that line really mm-hmm. hasn't done much. It doesn't do anything. A lot of Huberto's production ha- has come on the power play. He's got two goals, seven assists on the power play. So nine of his 20 points, almost half of his points on the power play. The same thing, you know, uh, You know, Hornquist doesn't do much at 5v5. It's just not a line that gets a whole lot going. So uh, this type of production could be, uh, you know, unsustainable over the course of the season. Obviously, a 36% shooting percentage is insane. Uh, he's been a guy who's been a pass-first player most of his career anyway, uh, so not playing with Barkov, you know, I thought was going to hurt his value a little bit this year. It hasn't to this point, but I, I think moving forward, it is something I am a little bit concerned about. So, you know, he, his name does carry a lot of weight. Uh, he's somebody that gets talked about a ton. Uh, he's only a couple years removed from a 30 goal, 92 point season. I, I think you could get a, an, an absolute uh, King's ransom in return for him. So, you know, it'd be somebody I would be cautiously, you know, moving at the right price, but at the same time, you know, he, he is outstanding too. So if you get the right trade, I, I think he's definitely somebody I'm, I I would move, but he's not somebody that I'm rushing to move either. Yeah. I, you know, he's a guy who's, you know, clearly established himself as uh, a top fantasy talent uh, and someone you really want to uh, go after and be lucky to own in fantasy leagues. He's been well over a point per game for the last two seasons. I, I do agree with you though, in terms of um, just how, you know, their lineup composition right now, it, you look at it and you look at his numbers and it's just, it's really just a bubble that you're wondering when it's really going to burst, right? Because, um, yeah, it's certainly, it's really hard for, to imagine him being able to, you know, comfortably produce about a point per game like we've seen from him the last two years playing alongside Alexander Wenberg and Patrick Warren at 5v5. So um, I'm with you. I think you need to make sure you're getting value if you are dealing Huberto because he's still going to be really productive even in a more limited role like that. For sure. Uh, but at the same time, at the same time, there's obviously always the possibility that he moves back up on the top line with Barkov. His ice time jumps back up, right? He's playing just over 60 minutes a night um, compared to the three seasons before where he was up around 19 each of those seasons. So uh, ice time's taken a pretty significant hit. So yes, the underlying numbers are worrying, um, but the fact that he's been able to produce like this in what's been a limited role um, relative to what we've seen from him in the last few seasons, it's it's really impressive, if any, not anything else or if nothing else. But um, yeah, like you said, there's no way 
um, that he can continue to produce at this pace if he's going to be strapped into a second line role uh, alongside Wenberg and Hornquist. Because, yeah, it hasn't been that same even disposition among the top two or three lines in Florida um, that we saw the, the few seasons prior where lines two and three were playing almost as much as the Barkov line and line four couldn't set the ice, right? Um, it's pretty much been the Barkov line has maintained their minutes and then two, three, and four a little bit more balanced this season. So, um, yeah, I don't think, like you say, I, I don't think he can continue doing what he's doing on that second line. Um, but certainly you want to make sure you get value for him because if you trade him and then in a week he's back up on that top line with Barkov, um, obviously we'd expect him to be able to produce above a point per game still, right? Yeah, and I, I think that the, it would be worrisome um, that that could be the case if, uh, you know, that Barkoff line wasn't producing. But we've talked about how they've uh, really been one of the, the best lines in hockey um, so far this season. So it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, they really could use Huberto on that top line because <laughs> it just has not been the case. And and the other thing is, you know, it is a new coaching staff. So that's kind of why we've seen the way things have gone a little bit differently this year with Joel Quenville. Um so, you know, I, I think that there is some validity to the fact that this is might just be their lineup for the season. You know, they, they've really leaned uh, pretty heavily on that third line in terms of just kind of matching up with the other team's top line. Uh, and then Barkov kind of deals with the rest of it. And then the Huberdeau and Wenberg line takes the rest, but it really doesn't leave them a whole lot. Yeah. And, and that's but, concerning. Yeah, I, I'm with you, but um, obviously it's not hard to imagine, right, that that Florida one line has been amazing, but, you know, all it takes is one cold spell, three or four games, and the first For thing sure. they're going to look to do to spark some offense is put Hubert on Barkov together. Unquestion, unquestionable, but, like, no no doubt about it. Like, that would be – they'd be like, oh, yeah. you know who's been really good together in the past? Hubert on Barkov. Yeah. Let's put them together exactly. and see what Let's happens. put our two best players together, right? But, um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think there's no way he can continue producing like this in the second-line role. Um, and certainly no given that he's going to return to the top line anytime soon. Uh, but you got to make sure you're getting value for him because you're going to be kicking yourself if he ever finds his way back up to the top line with Barkov. 100%. Uh, but all right, that is going to do it for Season 6, Episode 12 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. Beebs left us a little bit earlier, so I am Brock Segan. We had Dylan D. Berthium here, uh, and we had Michael Beebs Bondi for a shorter period of time than normal. This is the DFO Podcast. Brought to you by our friends at Odd Shark. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you guys back here next week. And uh, D, unless you have any other final words, we're out of here. Peace.
on to the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 